You know, the thing about the entrepreneur's journey, Eric, is we have to believe that we can kill a dragon with a butter knife. It's not reality, right? And everybody would say, dude, Eric, you're, it's a dragon. He breathes fire. He's got big claws. He's 50 times your size. And you're there with a butter knife. But you got to go in there. You got to go into the ring, you know, as Teddy Roosevelt said, the man in the ring is the man I admire. You got to go into the ring with your little butter knife and go, somehow, somewhere, I'm going to get to his eyeball and, you know, I love and, it. And that's it. You know, we, yep. we, we, we have to believe we can do stuff that everybody tells us we can't do. Welcome back to the Super You Podcast. It's a podcast designed to unlock and unleash your inner superpower. I'm Jake with Equalman Studios. Today, Eric sits down with Miles Sherman. Miles has been a force in the entrepreneurial realm since he began his first venture at 23 years old with $5,000 in his truck. He started his journey with custom home building, then moved to land development, then began his own company, M. Sherman & Associates Land Development. After selling his real estate holdings between 2006 and 2008, Miles moved to a more entrepreneurial standpoint and began investing his earnings in startups, mature companies, banks, and real estate worldwide. Eric and Miles discuss the importance of integrating your work life with your personal life rather than attempting to separate the two. What it was like for Miles to raise three entrepreneurs and how that led to family breakfast and taking one-on-one vacations with each of his kids. And he offers tips and advice to young entrepreneurs on raising money and growing your business. We will be returning to our weekly Wednesday episodes very soon, but for now we are releasing episodes every Friday, so tune in every Friday for interviews with Eric and a guest. And thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Enjoy this interview between Eric Qualman and Miles Sherman. Well, thanks for joining the show today, Super U Podcast. Miles, it's so fantastic to have you on here because we have so many entrepreneurs that listen to the show. Um, and BB and one as well, I'm kind of a fanboy, so I'm going to be asking some specific questions as well. But I always like to start off with the beginning, and your story is incredible from a standpoint. You're 23 years old, you have $5,000 in a truck. You know, how did you build to where you are today with that starting point? Because a lot of entrepreneurs out there are like, I don't have any money, I got to do this. And and you've proven you can do it. You had five thousand dollars in a truck. So how did that? How'd you go from five thousand dollars in a truck to now you're building one of the largest properties in Steamboat Springs, um, Colorado? Great question, and I'm so happy to be here. And I love what you're doing for this entrepreneurial world. Um, the short version is I'm obsessive compulsive personality disorder and worked my ass off. I mean, and having no money, having debt. I had student debt. I had mortgages on a couple of condos at 23. I had a truck thing that I had. I had no backstop, you know. And so I had to make it work. I had to be successful um, and work seven days a week. The entrepreneurial journey, you know this, it's, it's, you have to get somebody to believe in you. And I was fortunate that I was able to get a banker 
to buying my vision. You know, basically went to Bank Texas many years ago with magnetic signs on the side of my truck and you know one sheet piece of paper with my vision and, and he bought into it luckily and also not being afraid to take the risk you know i mean it's 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 a tough journey this entrepreneur's life right you know this um so just that's what i would say and and, and not making any terrible terrible decisions early on helps you can always make mistakes but don't just Drop your head off day one. <laughs> <laughs> and then you said you were working seven days a week. Did it feel like work? I mean, like you loved it, or what? What's the percentage of this feels like work and percentage that doesn't feel like work? That's a great question. And in mentoring other entrepreneurs, you know, I always say gravitate to work what you love, right? Because when you're doing what you love, everything just flows. It's zen-like, you know. That can be sports, that can be with your family, that can be taking your girls out for ice cream. You know, when you're doing something you love, it just flows. We all have to do things we don't like to do. No one likes to pay bills. No one likes to argue with the phone company about your cell phone. That's not part of life, right? But when early on, I was so passionate and, and again, did not have a backstop. It, it was work, but it didn't feel like it. The passion trumps everything. If you're passionate about a project, um, like we are with this latest development and Steamboat, if you're passionate about a project, it doesn't feel like work, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but it is, look, there's always things you have to do that are unpleasant. Yeah. Um, and, and you just have to suck it up and do them sometimes. But early on, it was it was all excitement and passion and fear and adrenaline and everything, you know. Um, so that's, 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 you know. that's, it's well said. And it's funny cause I was on a flight back from LA last night and it's so true because at the beginning of the flight, I go, man, I have to review this contract, something I didn't want to do. And it felt like that yeah. hourglass was going so slow. And then when I transitioned to this children's book that we're writing, all of a sudden, the next thing I know mm. is, Hey, you got to put your computer away, sir. We're about to land. And so it's all about that flow state that you mentioned that, and then I got to remind myself, how do I do more of that stuff that seems like time's flying by when I'm in that flow state? So that's, that's super helpful. And you've been helping entrepreneurs. Well, you've been an entrepreneur yourself. You're a founding member of EO for the entrepreneur organization out of Houston. And then you later became the global president of EO. During that stint, during your career, do you see a commonality between successful and unsuccessful entrepreneurs? Do you see certain traits that kind of pop out to where you go and probably from the investing side as well when you invest in folks, but during the course of that, we're trying to find habits for our listeners. Have you seen certain traits or habits that, that they commonly practice? Great. Uh, another great question. So I, when I look at investing in deals, Eric, I place people before product, right? I, I believe my, one of my core values is if I believe in the in the in the people behind the the, the project. The ask uh, for investing, they will figure it out. Where I've lost money and getting my head taken off is when the people were so so. But I love the product. I love the idea. That's where I've gotten killed. Um, so that's number one. Is is you, you got to be believe in the people. And and when I'm passionate about something, you know it. 
It's it just, it seeps out. Same thing with you, like your children's book versus legal documents. Um, you have to read legal documents, you know, and you got to do it well. Um, but you're passionate about this children's book you're writing. So if you were to ask me to invest in one of those two things with you, I would pick, I could see the passion in your face when you were talking about it just now. Yeah. Um, so as far as, you know, entrepreneurs and mentoring entrepreneurs, I always say to them, do what you love. There, there were studies, I read this shit 15, 20 years ago. When we do, like I could never be a lawyer because I couldn't sit down and read legal documents all day. I could never be a CPA. I, I can't sit at my desk and do the same thing all day, every day. That's not how my brain works. I like to touch four or five different deals in a day because that keeps my my energetic juices flowing that that gives me excitement um so all entrepreneurs that i know that are successful have to have a little bit of adhd you know they have to be a little scattered they have to always be firing on you know 12 cylinders not six or not eight um and so i i i, I want people who are a little bit out there a little bit different maybe didn't fit in you know when they mm -hmm. were in high school or college or whatever um and look, it also comes down to the numbers. You know, when I look at when we present a business plan, when we're raising money on a deal, the numbers have to make sense. You know, you, you I can't tell you how many deals I've said no to. I look at I don't know, 20, 30 to 50 deals a year, and I say no to 90%, 95%. Can't tell you how many deals I've looked at where people say, This but you don't understand, Miles, this is a billion dollar opportunity. Maybe it is. But the odds are one to be, and that it's a big opportunity. So the numbers have to be sensible, right? Yep. And when I'm presenting a deal to you or anyone to invest in, you have to get a good return, or you're not in, you know. But if it's, hey, you're going to invest a million dollars, I'm going to turn it into a hundred million dollars in a year. That's not feasible, you know. Could it happen? Sure. Could you win the lottery if you buy a lottery ticket? Sure. It's got to be logical, you know. Two plus two in my brain, because I'm kind of a math guy, two plus two have to always equal four mm -hmm. in any business plan. Not to say that two plus two will equal three or zero or 27 down the road. But initially, as an entrepreneur, you have to have a sensible business plan and get advice, mm -hmm. you know, from your bankers. Small community banks are great resources with their loan officers and, and their team to help entrepreneurs. I always recommend to entrepreneurs, don't go to a giant bank. You're too small for them. You know, and an EO, you know, you touched on EO. I want to circle back to that real quickly, Eric, if I may. EO was one of the best things that I ever did. Uh, it helped me learn, mature, grow as an entrepreneur. I've been a member for 32, 33 years. And, and I've watched entrepreneurs organization grow, right? We went from 350 members and worldwide was US and Canada. Now we're in 76 country, 18,000 members. So we've kind of grown together. I'm very passionate about that. Um, they have a lot of programs to help young entrepreneurs take themselves to the next level. Even entrepreneurs that don't qualify, we've got a program for that. And if you don't qualify, we'll help you qualify. We'll help you get there. And so, and I know you know this because you're a giver, right? I've always felt better 
leaving a conversation when I help someone. I don't care what it was, right? What realm it was, kids, friends, you know, entrepreneurs, somebody who's not an you always feel better about that. You know, you energize yourself and you energize them and you make them feel loved and valued. And so EO has done that for me and taught me so much. And therefore I gave back, yeah. you know, that three year, three and a half year global stint was rough. My kids were young. I missed a lot of events, but ultimately it was, it was the right thing to do. You know? um, so get involved with an organization, have a support group, right? Um, Read, you know, read your books, read other books, listen to podcasts, educate yourself. I'm self-educated. I partied way too much in college. I always say I, I joined fraternity at University of Texas, not school. And that was one of my core values about how I got started. I had to sober up. At 22, I woke up one day and said, I'm probably not going to be alive at 25. And there's no way I can accomplish the goals I want to accomplish in life, not just from an entrepreneurial business standpoint, but from having a successful marriage, having being a a successful man. That's that's the most important job I had as being a successful father and now grandfather, right? That pays dividends to the world times thousands because those your kids, your grandkids and your grand will touch so many people in the world that you can't reach. Yeah. And you either yeah, you either screwed them up or you 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 valued them you love them last thing i'll say on that is one of my cool days as a parent is you know this you're a parent you will absolutely make mistakes right i told my older two kids who have kids right when their babies are born i said you will screw this up this parenting gig you will make mistakes (laughs) but if you always operate from your heart space it's never the wrong decision right and so and that's kind of true in the business world your employees your partners will come to you with problems. Their personal problems will bleed over into your business life. Right? Yep. I'm going through divorce. Oh, my life has escaped. Let me help you out here. Let's talk about that. And That's so, good. if you operate from your yeah, if you operate from your heart space, you're always golden. You know. Yeah. And let's double click on that a little bit because I think that's where a lot of our listeners self included as well is that you know there's there's really no such thing as balance there's harmony and as you mentioned sometimes there's there's going to be trade offs so you're going to be like ah if i do this it's going to hurt the business if i do this it's going to hurt the family in your experience what are the kind of quote unquote guardrails or what kind of systems can you pass on cuz like you just mentioned the most important thing you do is it might not be something you do it might be someone that you raise and i love that you said the the most yeah. important thing in life is to be that good dad and then that good grandfather you know what have you learned for the entrepreneurs out there that they probably have really young kids that are more demanding time wise in the, in the business is at a state to where it's in its infancy as well so they're both demanding time and attention what have you learned to kind of pass along to the listeners? Man, that's a that's really a tough one, right? And you're and I love what you said. There, there really is no life balance. And I always when people say, "Well, I've got a work life and I've got a home," you can't compartmentalize that that way, right? If, if when my father was dying, uh, it bled over to my business life because mm-hmm. he was very close to me, uh, and it's hard, you know. So. So on that, on that, I had to make a decision early on. So my wife, I started my first company at 23, a construction company. 
then we bought our first business, my wife, and I was 26. She was 23. She ran that business. My wife is a very successful entrepreneur in her own right. She's also a third-generation gear designer that does all our stuff. And so, But we made a decision. We had our first two children a year and six days apart. And she made a decision. Like, I can't be the mom I want to be and work 40 hours. And, and it teaches on. I'm not saying that's right for your wife. or it, All these decisions are personal, right? And I said, okay, that's great. I'm going to work more. You're going to be super mom. And she is. And now she's super mom and super grandma. And she's, she's amazing in that respect, right? And it's a conscious decision she made. Therefore, I had to make a conscious decision on my, my, for myself and say, I want to have a lot of money. You know, not, I don't want to be the richest guy in town. That's never been my goal. Mm. I want my kids to get through college with no student debt. I had student debt. I didn't like it. You know, I want to set up education accounts for my kids. I want to travel. We believed that education through travel was, was something that we want to do with our kids, you know? And so you have to have money for all these things. Mm -hmm. And so my wife and I had a pact that like, you're going to be super mom, you know, therefore I'm going to work more and try to make, have more success. Right. And I'm going to miss some things. I, I am going to miss some, choir things, some sports events, you know, and, and when your kids are in that elementary, middle school, high school age, and you have three of them on Saturday, there's always three events going There's always on. something so, to miss. Yeah. <laughs> there's always something to miss. And so what I wanted to create is something to live beyond me. You know, all, all my kids have started their own business at a very early age um, and learned and grown and had successes and had their ass kicked and all these things that is the entrepreneur's journey, right? And I'm proud of that. And they, every place, every vacation we took, we looked at real estate. I was mentioned before the call, we've got homes in three different countries, two homes here in the States, you know, but every, they, they, they talked business at the breakfast table. Another thing I did as an, as an entrepreneur is, Dinners were hard for me to be at sometimes. I had meetings, I had events, you know, whatever. So breakfast was kind of our thing. We would have breakfast together. I would take my kids to school every day I could because they wake up, they're they're thinking about the school day, and you ask them, hey, what's going on? Are you worried about anything at school today? Is there something that you're concerned about? Are you having issues? And sometimes they'd open up and sometimes they would not, you know. But that was kind of, instead of a family dinner, we kind of had family breakfast. Mm -hmm. um, so you've got to figure it out for you, you know. The other thing we did, and I'll say this about balance, is because I missed some events, one of the things that my wife and I, uh, again, made a decision on early on was to take one-on-one -on -one vacations with our kids and to not let our kids travel with other families during spring break, Christmas vacation, you know, I told and my kids got upset with me over that. They're like, well, I want to go with Susie or Johnny, whoever it is, for to their spring break. I'm like, no. And they said, well, why? And I said, I'm selfish. Okay. I'll just admit that. <laughs> and I have you for a finite period of time. Yeah. You, you go off to college or go out in the work world at 18, whatever you do, right? So I've only got you really 18 years. Now, the trade-off was, hey, if you want to bring friends with you to our ski vacation at spring break, I'm cool with that. You know, we'll pay, bring them, but you can't go with somebody else. And and I think that made them feel loved, you know, and 
And, and, but they got to bring friends because, you know, when you're a teenager, you care about your peers more than anything else in life. Right. So, yep. um, but, but the other thing that I touched on is my wife and I will take one-on-one -on -one vacations to this day with our kids. We haven't done it in a couple of years. COVID kind of screwed it up. But uh, my daughter's next. Um, I'm going to take her on a cool vacation, just she and I, uh, which means her husband's going to have to babysit the two kids alone. So that's, a little scary for us dads, but <laughs> uh, it'll survive. And, and and just having that one on one time. So it's a trade off, right? I, I missed a few some events, maybe a lot of events, but um, I made up for it by having one on one time and just listening. Those yeah. one on one trips are good advice because my parents, their so their grandparents, they take the the grandkids singularity right each year one grandkid goes with them so i love that so it's just a different dynamic when you just have one of the children so that's awesome uh switching gears a little quickly this is kind of a one-off question just because i'm curious just because we're here in austin is that you're an investor in dripping springs vodka and it's interesting because austin's become like this vodka mecca when you think about tito's wow. and also deep eddie do you ever see it kind of having, they've got the bourbon trail, obviously in Kentucky. Do you ever see that being like a, 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 a place where tourists would come just to kind of sample all the vodka in this area? Yeah, it's a great, uh, it, it's amazing how it's changed. So Tito's a good friend of mine. We were fraternity brothers together. He's, oh, that's he's crazy. Done something, yeah, yeah. He's done something that no one else will do in, in the vodka space. He was the first licensed still in the state of Texas. Um, we built a visitor center at, in Dripping Springs, Texas. So to your question, it's already become that. I mean, we get so many visitors who come out. It's a beautiful, you know, we do a tour of the distillery and then right across the parking lot, we've got this beautiful event center um, where people hang out. We've got, you know, live oaks, post oaks in the yard. It's, it's, it's stunningly beautiful. And people just come there and hang out and relax and we you know sometimes we have live bands there and so it's kind of already becoming that and you know you watch you got the bourbon trail and you've also got kind of the wine tours up there it's it's becoming you know our, our latest campaign for dripping strings vodka is safer you know live life in the slow lane oh. covid changed everyone's concept of work life mm -hmm. life right and so we're kind of like, hey, take a breath, you know? Um, so, yeah, I think it's I think it's happening. No, I love it. I love it. And then digging back into the EO side of things or the entrepreneur side of things, a lot of entrepreneurs, they struggle with a lot of people just it's in their DNA that they're not going to raise money. Um, but others, they need to in order to grow the business. You know, what advice do you give the listeners when they're debating? Do I raise money? Do I continue to bootstrap it? You know, where's the go, no go on that front? Yeah, how fast do you want to grow? Yeah. If, if you raise money, you grow faster. But you also have partners, even if, you know, even if you have a deal where, I believe, let me back up. I believe there has to be one decision maker, right? If you're raising $10 million, a million dollars from 10 people in whatever venture you're doing, there, there has to be one decision maker and it's you. It's your baby. You brought it to us. You're saying, here's what I want to do. Believe in me. And if you don't, that's fine. You know, we'll, we'll talk later. Um, 
So there has to be one decision maker. So um, there are deals where I've raised money. I'm not the majority owner. I'm not the biggest check writer, but I am the decision maker. And, and so there has to be someone accountable. Um, and, and we can talk about that more down the road. But, but you know, sometimes we do deals on our own and sometimes we raise money for our own deals and we invest in other people's deals. I, I invest in small amounts of money in entrepreneurial deals that financially don't make sense to me because mm. it's not a big enough deal, but I want to help you. I want to help somebody else. And I want to see where you go with it. And I also believe, you know, I've had the same CPA firm since I was 18 years old. Mm. Like there's, if something works, you keep doing it over repetitively over and over and over again. So I believe if I invest a small amount of money in one of your deals and it's successful, you know, I'm going to ride along with you and then you're going to do a bigger deal next time. You're going to come back to me. You should, yeah. you know? Um, and so if you're a young entrepreneur and you're starting out, I would say if you want to grow faster, raise money. If you want to control 100% of everything, do it all on your own. The bad thing about that is the Astrid Project, which we'll talk about in a minute. We have several investors. I ask every, I tell every one of them, first of all, I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I never want to be the smartest guy in the room because that guy gets his head taken off. Yep. You look at Enron and you, 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 there's a million companies that, you know, the smartest guy in the room gets his head taken off, you know? So that's the first thing I say. The second thing I say is, help me. What am I missing here? What, what do I not see? As an entrepreneur in your deal, Eric, you get tunnel vision. You can't help it because you eat, live, breathe, and sleep this every day, whether you're writing a book, whatever you're doing. And so you need, I, I think it's good to have someone else who knows nothing about your business. I know nothing about writing a book. But if you came to me, I'd give you some weird, goofy-ass opinion that you might go scratch your head and go, wow, because Miles has no knowledge of what I'm doing. He yeah. thinks differently. Yeah. And so when you have investors that aren't operating a business in your space, they're going to naturally think different. And the idea may be terrible. It may be, holy smokes, why didn't I think of that? You know? Um, so I, I like investing. I like having investors. You know, initially, my first my construction company, my landed home company, it was just me, me and a partner wasn't a bunch of people. Now, that being said, uh, our land development company, that's a great like life near the edge story about how I got out of the land development business. But we had 25, 26 different real estate companies. Some deals we did on our own. Some deals we had partners. So you can't have partners in specific projects, right? And they've got a life of, you know, one to three years, and then you close them down. And, and again, if you're an investor and I made you money and you're happy with the return, you're going to come back to me and say more, 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 <laughs> right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, and and if and, and if on my side, if you're a good partner who didn't wreak havoc in my life, then I'm going to say I want to bring Eric in the next deal. He's a great guy, you know. And then you'll tell your friends. And so it's just a raising money is a way to grow exponentially faster. That's it. It's a tool. That's it. That's good. It's good advice. And what advice have you been given in your life that you find yourself passing along often? So any advice that you've been given that you find yourself parroting or passing along to the next generation? Number one is my father told me, you know, as I mentioned, I was a wild kid. My parents got divorced and 
lived with my father and had very little supervision. So I, I, you know, I was a choir boy, straight A student. And then, you know, you flipped the light switch and I became a wild man overnight. And so my father saw that. And, and, you know, when I met my amazing life partner, uh, spouse, Terrell, um, and we've been married 38 years and, and he said, choose your life partner wisely. You know, he said, you'll make, everybody makes mistakes in life, but there are mistakes and there are life altering mistakes. Choosing a bad partner spouse is a life altering mistake. And I've seen it over and over and over again. Not only does it cost you money if you get divorced and, and torment your children, it torments you. It torments the spouse. Like, be very careful and thoughtful of that decision. I don't want to scare anybody out of marriage and you know, have people freeze up like, oh, my God, I've got to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect. My wife and I have you know, the, the, the how I look at my marriage is successful as I look at it and say, do I want anybody else's marriage but mine? And the answer is hell no. Right. But we've done a lot of work. We continue to do a lot of work. We continue to talk to each other, you know, so so that's number one. Feeding off of that is choose your partners carefully. You know, early on in my 20s, I thought I could make everybody happy. You know, if you were a difficult person and I was you know, building a high end custom home for you or doing you were a partner, I thought I could make Eric happy. He, he's, he's a difficult person, but I could make him happy. That's not true. Some people just don't want to be happy. Yep. I'm a very positive, happy person. I want to be engaged with very positive, happy people. Like business partnerships, are, to me, are harder than marriages. I mean, you because you don't have that level of commitment, you know. And especially right. like you have kids, you know. You're yep. like, hey, we got to figure this. Out. We run, we we ran into a brick wall. We got to figure this out. Now, how do we figure this out together? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and anytime a couple partnership marriage have the attitude of no matter what we'll figure this out together we'll both give a little bit we'll both do whatever we need to do to take it to the next level it's going to work um so uh that was great advice um and it's multifaceted um be intentional be thoughtful treat people well treat people with love and respect you know your employees will have personal issues that have nothing to do with you, mm-hmm. but they affect how they work, you know? And so it, it's hard, you know, sometimes you get screwed when you're nice to people, but I'd rather be nice to people than live, live life untrustingly. I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to be a kind of person who's like, Oh, the glass is half empty. You know, I can't, Everybody's trying to get something. I don't, I don't want to live that way. Yeah. You know? No. I love I love the quote. Is it nice people don't finish last. Nice people finish happy. Uh, yeah, and, that's a great yeah. quote. I love that. <laughs> and as we start to wrap things up here, this has been incredible. And, and hopefully get you back on the show because we only scratched the surface on everything that you do. And Don, we didn't even get into all the philanthropic endeavors that, that you're touching so many lives. So it's fantastic what you're doing. So can't thank you enough from that side as well. Um, in the last minute here, is there a poem? Is there a book? Is there a podcast? that you'd suggest our listeners check into, whether it's a quote, could be a poem, could be a book, could be a podcast. Uh, and that's a great question. My wife and I are both voracious readers. 
Um, you know, I'm, I'm reading a book now that's probably 30 years old called Living with Joy. Um, I've read so many, so many books uh, before we got on. Um, I looked, I'm going to read your book next. I'm, I'm finishing a couple of books right now. But when I was starting out as an entrepreneur, uh, the book that was very influential with me, I read this when I was 19, 20, 20, 21, 22, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Right? Yep. And so there's the amazing thing about this age we live in is there's so much information. So I meditate every morning and, and I and I always read things that fuel my desire, my passion, my energy. Um, you know, and the last thing I would say is, I, I do want to say this, be passionate, passionate towards all problems you're going to run into. You know, the thing about the entrepreneur's journey, Eric, is we have to believe that we can kill a dragon with a butter knife. It's not reality, right? And everybody would say, dude, Eric, yeah. it's a dragon. He breathes fire, he's yeah. big claws, he's 50 times your size, and you're there with a butter knife. But you got to go in there, you got to go into the ring, you know? Steady Roosevelt said, the man in the ring is the man I admire. You got to go into the ring with your little butter knife and go, somehow, somewhere, I'm going to get to his eyeball and, you know, kill him. Um, I love and, it. And, and, that's it. You know, we, yep. we, we, we have to believe we can do stuff that everybody tells us we can't. Oh, yeah. Somehow, some way, we're getting in that arena with that butter knife and slaying that dragon. So, Miles Sherman, thank you. Your advice is going to help all of us out there slay more dragons in the entrepreneur world. So, can't thank you enough. Again, check it out. Miles Sherman, amazing entrepreneur, amazing person, amazing human being. So, thank you for joining us on the Super U Podcast. And join us next week, every Wednesday, on the Super U Podcast. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Super, 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 you. Uh,